Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast where we believe that the best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary things are sleeping in on Saturdays, rereading old books, and late night conversations with my teens. Lisa Jo, I love a fire in the wood stove, that first cup of coffee in the morning, and flannel sheets on the bed. As usual, we are recording on the third floor of Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst. And while we wish and actually plan to invite all of you to join us here at some point, the next best thing is to get a copy of Christie's brand new book called Placemaker, which is a behind-the-scenes look at all the nooks and crannies of this very special place. In the words of one of our favorite online nesters, Michael and Smith, she says, if you appreciate beautiful stories about house and home and all the many ways places change us as we go about changing them, Placemaker is the book you've been waiting for. But Lisa Joe, Placemaker isn't just about this old house. It also tells the story of every place that came before, from our first tiny apartment in Texas to a condo in the big city of Chicago, from failed DIY to a barn raising and all the trees I fell in love with along the way. I recommend pre-ordering your copy today as a gift to your future self, and maybe as a gift to a few of your friends, too. Look for it wherever you like to buy books. It will be in your hands March 12th. Chrissy, I love our listeners because they sure are a nosy bunch. (laughs) They are, aren't they? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) they have peppered us with questions for months now. All kinds of wonderful, curious questions ranging from the deep to the funny to the quirky. Just so much curiosity there on the other side of the um, whatever device you're listening through. And it's been so fun because it makes us feel like our conversations are resonating and you're part of them. So, of course, you want to ask questions. And a while back, we did an Instagram live where we tried to answer as many questions as possible, but they're just way too many. It was a bit overwhelming to try and get to all of them. So, we thought... Wouldn't it be fun to have an episode today where we sit down and really just take time to work through and work through? It's not work. Well, let me take right. time. I mean, I've got tea and sugar cookies in front of me. So I, I have a plate of chocolate truffles, Lisa yes, Jo. It's not work. I am clearly living my best life I'm over here. <laughs> sitting under a down comforter right now and wearing slippers. So it's not work for us at all. We are going to enjoy this social time of just working our way. I said it again through your questions. <laughs> What's wrong with that expression? We're going to spend time delighting our way through your questions, skipping through the fields of your questions, this, like picking daisies. Some conversations might be a little harder, but this one is play. Yeah. This one is fun. This is fun. And we love that you send us questions. We love that you're curious. We love that we have time to get to know you guys as you get to know us. And if you are not following along, Instagram really is our favorite platform. Every now and again, we do live Q&As. We do live book reviews about our favorite books. We share weird, goofy things, insights into our kitchens. Christy's always got much more picturesque photographs, I feel like, to share. <laughs> I don't know. On her Instagram than I do. But if you're not following us, just pause right now. Hop on over to Instagram. Christy is Christy Purifoy. And that's Christy with no Y. It's an I-E at the end. Christy Purifoy. Um, or find me, 
Well, you should find both of us, Lisa Joe Baker, and follow us on Instagram because it really is our favorite place to hang out. And we are, I think, Christy, don't you think we're pretty good at responding to people's questions over there? We really do try. We do try. I'm sure we miss a few here and there on busy days, but I think we do a great job. Quite often, I'll I'll realize I was tagged in something and I'll hop over to check it out. And you have already been there, leaving, I was just leaving your you. little comment. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's nice. I think we tag team that pretty yeah. well, but it's really fun. However, when we you know have asked for questions or we've done a Q&A session, there are always way more questions than we can get to if our children want to eat. So <laughs> today I was scrolling back through some of the questions we've been asked over the last several months. And it's funny to me, Christy, because the very first one we got was, did you get your pillow back? Right. <laughs> Do you remember that? I do. I do. So for those listeners who have already been following us on Instagram, they might remember the saga saga of of the pillow. You know, what's funny about the pillow is that you first put it in your Instagram story on a little video that you were coming up to see me and you were bringing bringing your own special pillow. pillow. And you asked, does anyone else travel with their pillow? And so many, I was surprised. I was shocked how many people were basically said it was a non-negotiable for them. They don't go anywhere without their own pillow. And I think there's something about how as babies, you might have like a Snuggie or a Blankie or something you travel with, but there's something about when you get older then, (laughs) it's like you revert back. Back to that and you're shameless now you don't care what people think of you you're, you're sort of that comfort <laughs> level of toddlers again and so you travel with the things that make you feel comfortable yeah. and I have this pillow I just adore so much and I brought it with me and I should have known I just should have known better because when I left I don't I don't even understand how it happened but I think I had made the bed and maybe it was covered and I just I didn't see you it. No, I remember what it was. What I think I you do? actually brought everything down, your luggage and everything, and then you set the pillow on the sofa downstairs oh. in the family room. And then when I took the suitcase out, right, and then you carried your suitcase out, and then you never, never came just back, never again. got the pillow. Yeah, yes, it was very traumatic for me. And I messaged Christy that night when I got home. Oh no, <laughs> woe is me, woe is me. And it took many weeks before I. I came think back. I considered popping it in a box and sending it. If UPS, you were a better friend, you would. Have I should have done that because. <laughs> Several months later, when we were in Florida at Pete's sister's house, I forgot my stupid pillow there again. Oh, no. And she UPSed it to me because she's a better person than you are, This Christy. is Peter's sister? Yes. Uh, she's <laughs> got so she's desperate. got me beat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, to be fair, we kept thinking John might be in the neighborhood and he could drop it off, but it wasn't too dramatic. However, when we leave anywhere now, all of my children go, Mom, have you got your pillow? Mom, have you got your pillow? <laughs> <laughs> Therein lies the saga of Lisa Joe's pillow. Someone asked, "What is most surprise? What is the most surprising or unexpected thing after releasing this podcast to the world?" And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, "It's that people are now invited into our stories yeah. about lost or missing pillows, <laughs> and that they care." <laughs> oh, that's it, it's Lisa so Joe. That they care. I know. I know. I'm yeah. so grateful for that. I like this question here because it helps orient new listeners. She says, "Where is Maplehurst? I live in Pennsylvania, and I think it might be near Maplehurst. So where yes. is?" Where is Maplehurst? And actually, a little plug here. So I have a book coming out called Placemaker. And I have a whole chapter in there all about Mm -hmm. where is Maplehurst? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a tricky kind of place to find on a map. But uh, I'm in southeastern Pennsylvania, quite close to the Maryland state line, which is why it's so easy for Mm -hmm. you to get up here from Maryland, where you are just outside of Washington, D.C. But, you know, for those who aren't East Coast listeners, it can be a little confusing, I think, to hear us talk about that because we're so used to living close to 
different big cities, different states. You know, when I was growing up in Texas, we would have to be in our car for 10 hours right. before we'd get out of it. You know? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> right. I know. And I can just drive an hour and a half and I'm through Maryland into yeah. Pennsylvania. Whereas I, I go shopping in Delaware, for instance, <laughs> because it's just a few miles away and they don't have any sales tax there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I um, For people who might be wondering, what is Maplehurst? What, oh, right? Question. Well, how would you answer that one? Maplehurst is an old farmhouse built in 1880 by local Pennsylvania Quakers. And they planted the long driveway. They lined it with maple trees, silver maples. And so early on, they gave it, it, I I don't know who gave the name, but we have paperwork that shows it's been called Maplehurst since at least the year 1900. So some people ask me that, did you name the house? And the truth is we didn't, that we inherited the name with the house. But I still, right here, just want to take a moment and give our listeners not only permission, but an invitation. I encourage you, if you've always wanted to live in a house with a name, you have my permission today to give your house a name. name your house. (laughs) Gosh, I realize now in my childhood, there are a lot of houses that had names. Mm. So the farm where my dad grew up was called Stradbroke, named after the Earl of Stradbroke. And we discussed this in our last episode where we talked about tea Mm -hmm. and how much we love tea. My aunt and uncle grew up on a piece of land in their house, and the land was called Kashani, which was a local Shona word. Hmm. And I forget what it means, which is terrible. But I just, we always were, we wouldn't say we're going to Auntie Lazan's house. We'd say we're going to Kashani. Hmm. And my father, his house in South Africa, he named himself, and he named it Honey Rock is the name of the house. Oh, I love that. And it's because he has bees. And so there's honey that's made, and the house is also built up on the side of a hill that has that's very rocky so it's this idea of your house built on a rock but there's the honey the that's sweetness beautiful. that comes from the bees does i didn't know your dad was a beekeeper does he still keep mm-hmm. bees yeah oh my gosh really? the photos we have of the years when we harvest the honey it's so much oh. work but so much fun and chewing the actual comb to get the honey out have oh, you ever done that like no. not just getting the honey out because the whole a, comb right yeah. you put a piece of comb and it's like gum and you just mm. chew it until all that's left is the wax and you've you've eaten all the honey out and then you just spit out the wax like you would spit out gum. So one of my dreams is to maybe keep bees here at Maplehurst really? one day. Yes, it's something Jonathan and I have talked a lot about. And I think I'm just intimidated by it. I and, am too, frankly. Yeah. And my dad, one of my funniest memories about him and his hives is that we had one year made the trek home from the States to South Africa, which is like a 36-hour odyssey. And we were all so jet-lagged and exhausted that we fell asleep. But my middle son, Micah, who is a lot like my father, he is a doer, a go-go go guy. I wake up and I am informed that Micah had asked his grandfather about his bees, to which my dad said, let's harvest honey together. And at the time, my son was six. Oh, wow. Got him into a beekeeper's outfit. And Micah's job was to hold the smoker to smoke (gasps) bees while my father harvested the honey. And it takes a lot to intimidate my son. And when he saw me, he was like, mom, there are a lot of bees. Wow. I was like, Dad, what were you thinking? And he's like, yeah, in retrospect, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have put him in that oh, position. I think that's wonderful. Though. Well, did. Da- well done, Grandpa. They harvested that the honey so together. Great. Yes. Does Micah still talk about that? Does he remember yeah. it? Oh, yeah, he sure does. I thought that was a formative experience. Formative slash scarring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he might never keep bees. <laughs> no, no, he really enjoyed it. But it was one of those funny moments where I'm not sure if I would have allowed a six-year-old to be 
part of the smoking of the hives as the bees <laughs> arise like a cloud. <laughs> well, maybe in future I can get some advice from your father about I'm sure uh, you can. keeping bees here at Maplehurst. Oh, I feel like a lot of questions are, are more serious, though. So, Well, I like this one, though, fun before first. we get serious. Okay. It says, what is your favorite thing about being friends? Oh, it's like, where do you even begin? Oh, wow. You know, I I will first I'd say this, go back and listen to episodes one and two on the podcast, because we talk quite a bit about our friendship and how we first met over Mm -hmm. there. But I can easily say one of my favorite things about being with Christy, there's so many and this is a strange one. And I'm always glad she takes it as a compliment. But (laughs) Uh (laughs) Christy looks exactly like my mom did Uh, at this age. It's we talk we talk about it a lot. It's freakish, like her, her shape of her glasses, her hair, how she speaks, how she's such a bibliophile just everything about her. So for me, you know, my mom passed away when I was 18. So it's almost like getting to revisit those years I missed out on by being with Christy. And Christy is so nurturing. And I always feel like she takes care of me when I'm Mm. here. And it is just that very special feeling of being loved and seen by someone who's probably of all my friends known me the longest. That's true. We have known one another a long time. 20 years. I know. And that's crazy. I do not take that gift lightly. Mm. I think especially as someone uh, who's moved around a lot, lived Mm. in a lot of different places and has never, I've never in my adult life lived near family. Mm -hmm. And me too. Right. We've had the same experience. So friends become like family and they become, I think, even more precious. We, I I know that I need my friends. I rely on my friends and I think we've leaned on one another. So, you know, maybe my, I don't know if it's my I don't know. Maybe it's my favorite thing. It's just knowing that I have someone to call. Like if there's an emergency Mm. or I'm just sure, like if anything ever happened, you know, very serious or troubling in my family, that you would show up. You would be here. I'm sorry. I I don't know what I did. (laughs) That's okay. Our phones are making funny noises. Are we going to try to edit that out? (laughs) We edit it out or leave it in. I'm not sure. Maybe just leave it in. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the things about our friendship. It really is the realest version of who we are is who we really know. Yeah. Because every time before we sit down to record an episode, when I arrive here, part of what I feel like is the reason it's time consuming, but in a positive way is... I cannot just get out of my car, walk up here and start recording with you. Mm. There really has to be a reorientation and reconnection every Mm. time where we sit down over tea, we catch up, we share what's going on in our lives and we share authentically, deeply Mm -hmm. how we're really feeling Mm -hmm. at that space and time. I might sneeze. Just just as a warning. (laughs) You know, I think this is just going to be an an, an all and not all or nothing, but we're just take us as we are. Take us as we are. Episode. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me, Lisa Joe, a question I've been asked several times in person as I, I get to the chance to meet people uh, and talk face to face who are listening to the podcast. I've been asked several times: Are these conversations real? Mm, and I think what they're really? asking, I think That's what they're so asking are like, do are they, they mean is it scripted? Right? Have you planned it out? Oh. Have you decided ahead of time? That would oh, be so much work. <laughs> this is what we're yeah. This is what we're going to talk about. And and so yeah, I've told, I've been able to say honestly, these conversations are totally oh, yeah. real. They're, they're not totally planned. Real. They're not scripted. All we do is we sit down and we we. We think of stories that we, we want really, to share. That's, I mean, yeah. that's the most planning we do. We say, what is the story that we each want to tell in this episode? And and then it, then you just never quite know mm-hmm. where it's going to go. And mm-hmm. we don't redo them either. What you hear is what we recorded. Right. We don't. The only time we've redone episodes is when we accidentally... <laughs> 
<laughs> we didn't realize that the card that we were recording on had run out of space. That was and a so sad, we were, sad we, moment. It was, the, it was doubly sad because that evening we were so proud of ourselves that we had recorded three episodes yeah. and we dragged the files across to the computer. We were so happy. And the next morning when we came down and looked at the files, I said to you, why is episode number three only four minutes? That's so weird. It was a 37-minute conversation. <laughs> oh. And then we made the crushing discovery that we had run out of SIM card space. <laughs> Listen, there, there should be an alarm on the recorder oh gosh, or something. There should like, be something. Yeah, something to let you know that but you have run out of time. It is funny, though, because certain stories we share are we have a shorthand because we've talked about them a lot. So one of the questions we got that I think is really funny is what is the story with how your husband has never run through an airport for you? Ah, good question. <laughs> and that's because in the intro to the podcast, one of our opening intros, and we change those up pretty frequently. When I introduced myself, I said, I'm Lisa Jo Baker. My husband has never run through an airport to stop me getting on a flight. And I mean, I, I say that because of several reasons. Number one, I saw a quote in Huffington Post. This must have been maybe four or five years ago. And it was teenager quote of the week. And the quote was, my life will never be fulfilled until someone runs through an airport to stop me getting on a plane. Hmm. And I just thought, what? Like, and of course, whoa? I guess that's referencing the common trope in like romantic exactly. comedies where, you know, the couple have this right. climactic moment in the airport and there are, you know, right. it's going to be a misconnection. And, and of course, like, that her. could never even happen anymore because TSA wouldn't let you run through a plane to stop us. <laughs> somebody from yeah. getting on and I think the only one the uh, the movie I think of like that most primarily captures that and now I, I, is it called Down to You I'm Only You the Marissa Tomei movie where she's in hmm. Italy follow of course you're not going to know what I'm talking about because it's not a book it's a movie <laughs> <Right>? okay <Sorry. laughs> You know, she's traveled all over Italy trying to find this guy she thinks she's in love with. And at the very end, he's chasing through the airport to get her. But get this, or maybe it's she's chasing him. Who knows? It doesn't matter. The point is simply that the plane has pulled away people. And she convinces these Italians by telling them how in love she is for them to bring the plane back. Wow. Things that would never, Never ever happen. (laughs) But that's where that comes from. It's in reference to that trope, this idea that... You know, we watch movies and we get this perception of what love is supposed to look like. And then the lights go off and we have to go back to our real lives where we forget love really lives. And I wrote a blog post about that called My Husband Has Never Run Through an Airport for Me. Because I wanted to remind myself, but wait, look at all the things he does, all the ways he shows up in very ordinary, seemingly boring, everyday you know, the baseline things you accept, you expect in a marriage, mm-hmm. but those things multiplied by decades of life together mm-hmm. are the cement that holds a marriage together. So that's mm-hmm. where th- that's where that comes from. And I'll just say here, like, I don't know if we'll ever, ever do an episode on marriage because I don't think either one of us feel like we have all the that advice for you on that, right? <laughs> but I will say if there's anything that just occurs to me now about ordinary life and marriage, it's to appreciate things like that, the things that are uh, spouses do for us on a daily basis that are so ordinary, we we might no longer even see them. Right. We might just assume, well, of course, this is what you do for me. Of course, this mm-hmm. is how you serve me or you serve the family. Mm-hmm. And so that I don't even see that anymore. I don't even say thank know, you anymore. I don't even appreciate anymore because it's so ordinary. But it is those ordinary right. 
gifts that we give one another right. in a marriage that actually are the thing. They are. <laughs> that's the equivalent of running through the airport. Yeah. You know, that's the daily the daily rhythm version of that. All right, here's a funny question, though, especially based on our episode 22 is all about tea and our love affair with tea. This question is, what is your Starbucks order? Ah, I am so plain Jane. I, okay, I'm intimidated by the okay, menu I'm intimidated at Starbucks. Too. <laughs> yes, and I feel like they're going to judge me because I don't know what a half pump I don't even know the words. And it's always changing. There's always new drinks. (laughs) No, so I stick to what I know. Yeah, I do too. And I don't like, um, so I love sugar and I do have a sweet tooth, but I'm careful about how much sugar I eat eat Mm -hmm. because it uh, just wrecks my health. So that means I don't like to drink my sugar. Not because I don't like sweet drinks. It's just that if I'm... It's a waste. Yes. You'd rather chew it. It feels like wasted sugar. So I will have a (laughs) cup of tea without sugar and have my chocolate on the side. So when I go to Starbucks, I'm intimidated because I don't know which are the drinks that are just soaked full of sugar and which ones Mm. are not. Anyway, so I always order a tall latte. It's tall latte. Well, mm-hmm. I always get a vanilla latte, and sometimes I get a skinny vanilla latte. Oh. But then I ask them to add four sweet and low. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I always feel sort of embarrassed to ask. <laughs> but it is what it is. So that is uh, our Starbucks. That you learned a lot, a lot about us just from uh-huh. our Starbucks order. Christy, someone says Christy's glasses are lit. Ooh, is a, that still a thing? She says that's a good thing, right? That means they lit is they good. Look cool. I think okay. so. Yes. So A, I think it is still a thing, and B, I agree. <laughs> I have to check on the you know the um, lingo. I have to check with my fifteen year old. So do I. Yeah, and she says things I've never heard before. And I <laughs> say to Jackson, "That's not a word." And right. then I and then I realized, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so old. Of course, it's not a word. It's how they're making up words. It's what I'm makes. I'm glad it seem so that cool. she likes my glasses. I got them. I ordered them online from. Warby Parker, one of those sites where they send you glasses and you can try them oh, on for really? free and see how you really look. Yeah, this is not sponsored, but Warby Parker, nope. if you'd like to partner with and f- partner with us in the future, <laughs> please do reach out. <laughs> we would love to partner with you. The tricky thing about ordering the glasses and having them sent is that then they don't have your frames in them, right? And I am wait, they don't have their your frames or your lenses. Lenses, sorry, okay. sorry, they don't have your lenses, and I am so blind that. I can put on the glasses, but then I cannot see how I look in the mirror because I don't have lenses in the glasses. <laughs> Are you serious? So, Do you take photos of so yourself? So finally, that's what Jonathan was like, Christy, there's an easy solution. Okay. Let me take your Just picture pose. and then I will show you the picture. So that's what I do now. <laughs> that is too funny. I feel like there's a number of questions that center around this idea of like, how do you do it all? And Mm. how do you do it if your husband travels? Or how do you do it when you have young kids? Or how do you find balance between, you know, work and home life? And um, so someone asked, do you ever struggle with the balance between being a mom and a writer, a podcaster, et cetera? And how do you do it well? So short answer, do we ever struggle? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Never. What are you talking about? It's a breeze. Oh, goodness. So we we had a whole episode on that about interruptions, right? Right. right. We did when life looks like a series of interruptions. Mm -hmm. Was that episode 16 or 7? I don't know. When life looks like a series of interruptions. We'll make sure we put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) But I feel like the day we recorded that was just proof of that because I had arrived here to spend the night and record some episodes. My father-in-law was in town. And then the school called me right Mm -hmm. as we were sitting down to record to say my daughter was throwing up. Mm -hmm. And immediately I thought, oh, my goodness, what do I do? I Do I drive home to Maryland? But it was as 
as we were just so thrilled to have in town, my father-in-law was there that day. And so he was available Mm -hmm. to look after Zoe so I could keep recording. But yes, I feel like that is exactly what life is. How many times have we stopped today to go downstairs and make snacks for kids? Right. see the art projects they're making there is grace though i just feel like there's grace for that and just remembering there will be grace for that in the future and Mm -hmm. and and it will work out i also tell myself as someone who loves like i love structure and routine and i like my days to be um you know sort of ordered and i like to know what mondays look like Mm -hmm. so when i'm (laughs) when things go haywire and all balance is lost Mm -hmm. it just really helps me to remind myself okay I'm in a little hard patch, but mm-hmm. it's not always going to be like this. Mm-hmm. And so I just I can get, you know, look for the grace and get through this little hard patch. And then, you know, things will change again. Mm-hmm. And so I just know, like, you know, when it feels like everybody's getting sick and you just, nothing is working out, just reminding myself, it's not always like this. It won't always be like this. We'll get mm-hmm. back into a good rhythm. I'm not there now and it's hard, but it won't always be like this. So funny, everybody getting sick, you guys, sidebar. <laughs> I kid you not, almost every time we're here with our whole family staying with Chrissy's family here at Maplehurst, you knew I was going to sneak this in somehow. I didn't, but I'm not surprised. Some person in our family ends up with projectile vomiting. I don't yeah. even understand that. It's I'm beginning so to think insane. it's me or this place. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even understand it. It is so crazy. But we have, for some reason, the worst luck with our little tiny humans, which makes me laugh at this question, for which I'm totally pushing your way, Christy, is how do you get over fear when it comes to hospitality? Oh. Projectile vomiting included. We've yeah. had some other bodily function explosions while we've been here too with yeah. kids at various times. And I, I think of myself as someone really called to hospitality. Yeah. I live in a place where I know we're here in order to share this place with others. But that does not mean that I find it easy. Yeah, It does not mean that I don't um, go into a lot of situations, you know, around hospitality with a great deal of fear or worry. Because um, the thing about hospitality is that you can't control it. You right. can't control. <laughs> if, if it's a party, you can't control who will right. say yes to your RSVP and who will cancel or the last minute. Sick. Right. You can't control if the food will turn out or not. There is so much that you can't control. Okay, Lisa, I'm going to tell a little story here. Do it. We, um, we do mostly just ordinary hospitality, mm-hmm. right? We host mm-hmm. you and your family when they come over, you know, just ordinary, ordinary stuff. But every once in a while, I just get the desire to do something that feels a little more extraordinary. Yes. So this past Christmas season, I just had in my head, as soon as I realized that Twelfth Night, which according to the traditional calendar is the last night of the Christmas season, I realized that Twelfth Night was coming on a Saturday. Mm. And I've always had this idea that I would love to host a Twelfth Night party. To me, it felt like a way to host a a real Christmas party, but mm-hmm. sort of after the the main busy season. Yeah, and also I love endings. I love knowing that something has ended well. And I thought, mm-hmm. how great to end this Christmas season this year with a party. So I I went for it. Now the thing about hosting a twelfth night party is that at this point in the year you're already tired, <laughs> <laughs> and you've hosted a lot. Right, right. And so I did go into that party planning in that week with fear like am i really up for this mm. am i is this going to work out and who's going to come and uh, you know there's just a lot of uncertainty but so the question is how how what do you do then how do you mm. get over it and for me it has just been practice and by practice i don't mean that i've gotten better what i mean is that i have seen god take care of me and my guests over 
and over and over and over. So let me tell you what happened the night of this party. It was, Lisa Joe, it was worst case scenario. So this is what happened. <laughs> we had been waiting at this point for months for a big driveway construction project to begin. Right. And because of the weather, the um, company kept postponing the work. And it was postponed and it was postponed and it was postponed. Well, the party's on Saturday. On Thursday, <laughs> the big trucks show up and they dig up my whole driveway. Oh, <laughs> and then... Then it starts to rain. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> so now my house is an island in an ocean of mud. Oh my goodness. And the party's on the calendar. And it's, I can't cancel at this point. I've purchased food. People are coming. But if I had known, if I had known that this would happen, I wouldn't have scheduled the party mm -hmm. for that day because where are they going to park and how are they going to get to my front door? Yeah. So Lisa Joe, I sent out a panicked last minute message through the evite on the email evite, letting everyone know this has happened. We are surrounded by mud. Please don't wear your best shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Come in boots. But I will send my boys out with flashlights. Oh my goodness. Showing you a dry spot to park. And then we'll just hope for the best. But I still didn't know what would happen. Well, an hour before the party, my husband was running out to the hardware store to buy plywood no. to lay out a kind of bridge over the worst of the mud so that people could get to the door. It, that's what I mean by worst case scenario. So not only that, but I had several friends coming who who have various health issues or you know knee problems or things that just concern me. Like, was I really gonna hurt them because mm. now they have to park way far away from my house and they have to traipse through the mud in the dark that's not safe it still raining it had stopped raining okay. <laughs> oh praise the lord it had stopped raining anyway all of this was going on but lisa joe that party was a party mm. i don't know if it was because everyone had to journey through the mud and then kick off their shoes when they got to the front door i don't know if that actually in some way contributed to it but we had a real party with laughter and conversation and people who didn't know one another now meeting and immediately clicking and after that evening jonathan and i turned to each other and said that was magical mm. that was We've never, we've never hosted an event like that. Hmm. So all that whole long story is just to say that I've had enough experiences where I've seen that if I'm doing this with the right, you know, the right attitude, I can't control it. I don't know what's going to happen. The worst thing might, might happen, but, but God's in it with me. He's hmm. there. And so that's just an encouragement, whether you feel like you've got what it takes or not, try it and keep trying it. And it won't only be your friends and neighbors who show up at your door, but God will show up at your door and he will be there with you. And he was definitely with me <laughs> at that 12th night party. Oh my goodness. Not going to comment on the fact that we weren't invited and just assume it has to do with the fact that we lived a state away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. I know that's the reason. Oh goodness. Should we dig into some of the deeper questions? Yeah, let's tackle a couple of those. I know there are a lot of questions here about dreams, broken dreams or hard seasons where it's you feel like 
like you're not quite sure how to access your next dream or how to hear from God, when you're in the middle of just your routines of ordinary life, what does it look like to really believe that what you're praying for or what you feel called to will come? And then some more questions to do with how do you find rest or peace when it feels like your dreams have been lost? So a lot of this tension between dreams we feel planted in our hearts, but then maybe the season we're currently in or a difficult reality that makes that dream completely out of our grasp. How do we reconcile our ordinary life with this pull? And I really do believe it's a God-planted thing, um, a pull to something more that he's calling us into. Mm-hmm. I think you captured it just now when you said seasons. Mm. So if you've lived enough, you know that there aren't just these natural seasons in the world, but there's there are seasons in our lives. So sometimes we are in winter seasons, which are about waiting, mm. <laughs> about emptiness. Yeah. Um, possibly about loss or grief. We live through those seasons. But spring always follows winter. It does. Spring always comes back again. And so just Mm. if you're in that winter season, I think you can take heart knowing, okay, this is where I am. And no wonder it's hard, but it won't always be like this. Mm. I love that because in your book, in Placemaker, you have a chapter about the wilderness, Mm -hmm. about being in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And it meant so much to me. It really connects with this. Another question we got that said, what's the greatest lesson about faith you have learned so far? And in that wilderness chapter, I underlined so much because one of the things that really struck me is you talked about how, and the book, you guys, is so beautiful because Christy manages to weave into the book Stories about different places they've lived, but also the trees or the plants or the gardens they've had in those places. But what makes the wilderness unique is there isn't anything out there. There aren't trees. There are not vegetable gardens. You can't plant and and reap something right. that you've sown yourself. Right. You're completely reliant when right. you're in the wilderness on God to provide. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's both the hardest but also the most valuable thing that comes out of these difficult seasons yeah. of faith. Yeah. It's just, it's God's provision that you can't take care of yourself in the wilderness. Right. You have to You're wait for the water from the rock or the, you know, the manna from heaven. Right. Yeah. And it really is up to God then to provide. So either we believe he's true or we don't mm-hmm. in those seasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're either willing to wait upon him and receive something, or we try to make something happen ourselves, which often, in my experience, doesn't end that well. Mm -hmm. Ironically, the wilderness, like winter, (laughs) can be a season of rest. Now, it's not easy. It's hard. Because I want to strive. I want to just like get my bootstraps up and get myself trucking on. But if you know it's winter, you know you're in the wilderness, you get to sit back and rest because you're saying like, okay, I can't take care of myself in this place. God will take care of me. I can rest. Mm. I can rest. I don't find that easy, personally. No. <laughs> <laughs> I find that a difficult thing mm-hmm. to do. I think it is it is made easier by having friends who are in the wilderness with you, who mm-hmm. sit there with you and mm-hmm. let you be sad or mad to feel your feelings. It's legitimate. It's one of the things I talk to my kids about a lot. There's nothing wrong with being angry. Anger as an emotion isn't a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with being sad. Sadness as an emotion is not a bad thing either. If we believe that we are created in the image of God, then we've inherited all these emotions from him sadness anger joy love frustration it really is how we how we use them how we purpose these emotions that matters one or two more questions or yeah i have i am usually have a timer on i have no clue how long we've been talking might be 45 minutes might be 30 might be 10 i don't i don't know christy i've lost track it's past four in the afternoon 
You know, maybe we'll just end with this. There's a couple questions that we've been asked. So we are both married. We are both mothers. And so we tend to share stories quite often that come out of those experiences. Mm-hmm. But we're always aware that um, that this podcast isn't just for women or just for mothers mm-hmm. or just for wives. Right. You know, we really want it to be... Um, for a larger community, the, the kind of community that we know through our churches and in our neighborhoods and our friends, you know, a more diverse community. And so we've had a few questions from people who say, well, what about those of us who are not, who are single? Right. What about those of us who don't have kids? And I, I hope, I hope that when we, you and I are talking about ordinary life and where the substance of our ordinary lives mm-hmm. revolves around, you know, family and, and, and home and the particular work we do, which mm-hmm. is writing and podcasting and speaking, I hope that what is really communicated is not so much about family life or writing or speaking Mm -hmm. or podcasting, but about the value, the absolute value of whatever your ordinary is. Mm -hmm. And to not, um, and I hope what we give is new eyes to see what everyone already has, Mm -hmm. even if you are in a season of wanting more. So if you are single and you want to get married, and that's a hard place to be. I can remember being in a season where I was married, but I had no children and I was struggling to get pregnant. And that was a hard, hard season. And yet I can look back and say there were things about my ordinary life then that were still good. Mm. We're still good. And the, and the, the life that would grow, my, my life as a mother that would grow to, you know, to come grew out of that those ordinary days, those days of, of, of wanting and longing. So I hope um, as we talk about ordinary life, no one thinks we're just talking about ordinary life as wives like and version. moms. One, yeah, version, of one version of ordinary life. I mean, how many versions do you think there are of ordinary life? And we all travel through them. That's what's interesting. Yeah. A lot of us will live through many different versions of it mm-hmm. in our lifetime. Okay, wait, though. I've got, <laughs> I've got a good question for us to end with. Are you ready? I don't know. I've had some time to think about it, but I'm not sure what you're going to say. Go for it. Just go Uh, for it. I would love to hear about one of the funniest moments or greatest laughs that the two of you have shared. (laughs) You have an answer, don't you? Do you have an answer? I want you to think for a while, but I'll, I'll share. I was thinking it's usually when... The four of us, so you and me and then our husbands, Jonathan and Peter, are together. Yes. Do you know what I'm going to say? Maybe. (laughs) After we've like finally survived a day of our children and we're in the kitchen, right? And the kids have all been fed and then we're just standing there, usually with some wine. Yes. (laughs) Okay, what you say? Well, I'm thinking then the laptop comes out (laughs) and we find something like... The latest show you've been watching, or Jim Gaffigan's latest yes. comedy, and we just lose we it so, <laughs> because usually they are related to some stories about our own children in yeah. unflattering light, like, <laughs> right? Like our children doing or saying very inappropriate things, and I find like we sit down and then compare all these stories that like, the true. teacher this week told me, oh, or that true. happened at Scouts, it's or my true. daughter said this, which is why we end up watching those shows because yeah. we find it so. Yeah, it's not just me. It's not just us. And it's not just my kids. And I feel like I save up those stories so that when I'm here, I'm like, you guys, you're not going to believe what ex-child of mine said. No names will be mentioned. Um, And then we all gather around with excitement because it's so affirming to swap those stories. I guess those are the stories we 
don't actually we tell. We never will share those <laughs> here, podcast. but I have, I remember laughing so hard I was crying and couldn't, I couldn't breathe. Like, <laughs> remember s- several visits back when our two youngest, six and seven year olds were oh, over at the neighbors yes, and the highly yes. inappropriate conversation we learned about afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> or the time the li- they were little and they went and found saws, wood saws. <gasps> oh my gosh, And yes. were hammering nails and sawing wood. They were tiny. And they nearly cut their fingers off. Oh yes, that goodness. was terrible. Oh. I know. Free range slash irresponsible parenting <laughs> is what happens for this podcast to take place. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Oh. And thanks for sending your questions. And I hope that you'll all feel free to keep doing that. Maybe on Instagram. Is that a good place to do that, Always Lisa the best place to find us, I think. I'm Lisa Joe Baker on Instagram. And I'm Christy Purifoy. Christy with an I-E. And if you want to get some of the behind the scenes of what happens here at the podcast, do feel free to subscribe to the podcast email list. Be some of the first to know when our new episodes go live. That's the place where we will send out information about events that we're having or books that are launching or just all kinds of weird shenanigans happening behind the scenes. So if you go to outoftheordinarypodcast.com, you'll find a place where you can sign up and join us. Be an email pal. We like chatting in pretty much all the spaces you can find online. (laughs) We'll meet you there.